Welcome back to the Talking Sports Better Most podcast. We've got a lot to cover, and I'm going to turn it over to my partner to get us started. Well, it's Masters Week. It's the best week of the year, and the podcast was kind of started because of our idols, Tiger Woods and Fred Couples. Steven starts it off with the old baby, and I mean, be honest with you, um, the Masters. Um, in 1998, Fred Couples hit one of the best second shots you ever see at the 13th hole at Augusta National. He gave an old baby. And, of course, Tiger Woods, I mean, we could just go on and on about his days at the Masters. Um, too many memories probably to sit and talk about. It would take the whole 40 minutes that we talk. So, um, But it is Masters week. we got a lot to talk about with the Masters. But before we do that, we have to start where we, um, I guess, left off last um, last night with the NCAA championship game. It was Kansas, North Carolina. We both predicted Kansas. If you um, saw our tweets or our Facebook page, um, so I don't know. What were your thoughts right off the bat, Stephen? So <clears throat> I kind of, I don't know if I put it in my predictions or not, but. Um, someone was asking me about the game before yesterday, and I said that I thought UNC had more talent um, on the roster, but I said that I thought Kansas would win the game because UNC has done a lot of one-on-one. They kind of just let Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, Baycott, and I know that Manic, Manic does a lot of one-on-one, but they just kind of let them play, and you know, I, I felt like Kansas has a lot more of an offense because they have to have an offense because they, they don't have the one-on-one guys that can just make plays like that, I would say, um, that, that UNC has and has had for, you know, the last month. Um, and you knew it just eventually had to happen where they just kind of weren't going to shoot the ball that well um, for the first time in a while. Um, and I think just, I think that was it. I mean, they shot 31% from the floor. They shot... 21% from the three-point line. I mean, they were 18 to 22 from the line, which I think was probably the only thing that kept them in the game. Where Kansas, not that 43%, 44% was you know shooting the lights out, but they got I think better quality shots up, um, and then shot 35% from three. Uh, got a, had a few less free throws, but didn't shoot them very well. But um, you know UNC had 20 more rebounds than Kansas, so I guess that's also what happens when you shoot a lot of threes and a lot of outside shots. You get long rebounds. Um, and then UNC just obviously rebounds the ball while plays hard. Um, but as this kind of, it kind of went the way I saw it for the first time. Um, I've seen a lot of games this year where they didn't go the way maybe I thought they would go, but this is one that uh, kind of went the exact way that I thought it would go uh, with Kansas winning. Obviously, you knew it was going to be a good game. Uh, two really good teams. Just I felt like Kansas had the. I don't want to say that Hubert Davis isn't a good coach because that's not what I'm trying to say. Um, I just felt like. Uh, Bill Self had, had to do more of a coaching job to win this game than Hubert Davis would have to um, nine times out of ten just because I think UNC has a better roster uh, than Kansas. Yeah, I, number one, I think this will be like the lost championship game. I think in a almost mesmerizing tournament, one of the most memorable tournaments I can remember, I don't think anyone's ever going to remember this game unless you're a Kansas fan. Number two, I think it was one of the most all-time great collapses of all time to be up 15 points and watch it wither away. I thought you were going to talk about what I want to talk about as my third point. I think Hubert Davis lost that national championship for North Carolina. I think it shows you that it, it says something about coaching. 
I think Hubert Davis mismanaged that second half. UNC went on that run right up 6-0. He should have called a timeout. At the end of the game, he left the timeout, just let, what's his name, throw up some three balls. I mean, just, I, I think Hubert Davis, in the end, is partly responsible for that collapse. Um, if I was a North Carolina Tar Heel fan, I would be so excited about where my team's progress is. I would be so excited that we beat Duke and ended Coach K's career. But I'd also wonder about um, the future of North Carolina basketball. Because, let's be honest, until Hubert Davis brings in his own recruits, builds the program for two or three years, let's see where it goes. And I just thought he really um, probably learned a hard lesson. And I would hope that he learned from that going forward. I think North Carolina should have won that game, actually, once the game went on. I knew they would be exhausted. And maybe they did hit that wall in the second half after everything that had happened. But again, one of the all-time great collapses, a 15-point lead. You could just see it starting to fall apart. It was, to me, the same thing that happened to him against Baylor. Um, and it would worry me as a Tar Heel fan about the long-term coaching of Hubert Davis. Um, you can't, just as if you can't give him all the accolades for taking the team to the final game, you can't give him all the the blame for this loss. But if I was a North Carolina Tar Heel fan, I would honestly, this is just a, a gut reaction of mine, I would be worried about, um, I'd be worried about what the future is. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I, I'm not completely sold on North Carolina going forward. And Bill Self, whether you like him, you don't like him, has probably established himself as one of the great all-time college basketball coaches. And, um, I just, you kind of feel like every two or three years, Kansas is going to win the national championship. And they should have won probably in 2020 when they canceled the season. Um, so, again, I think it's going to be the lost game. I I was more excited watching North Carolina Duke than I was North well, Carolina. Well, I mean, it was Kansas. a better storyline. I didn't care. It didn't matter who Duke was playing. It was always going to be the story. But, I mean, I wouldn't be so worried if I was a UNC fan. I mean, it was his first year. Um He's got probably a lot to learn from it. Um, I also think another thing that was tough for them was they didn't have any depth. I mean, if you look at the their, their guys that started the game, um, you know, Baycott didn't only, only didn't play for two minutes. Manic only didn't play for four minutes. RJ Davis played the entire game. Kayla Love only sat for four minutes. And Leaky Black sat for ten minutes, but that was because of foul trouble. So um, I think... Obviously, they exhausted themselves on Saturday night. That was kind of their national championship, beating Duke and sending Coach K um, into a you know a home. Uh, but uh, I think also just a little bit of fatigue, um, and then just shots weren't falling. I think Caleb Love kind of just started throwing them up after a while. And that's been the critic, the critics of North Carolina basketball fans all year. I mean, that he just throws up shots and. Mm-hmm. Again, Hubert Davis needed to control that situation, well, especially down the stretch. Yeah, I, I'm not falling apart. I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just saying that it had been working for them, and I said I thought that it would just come to an end eventually, and it just happened to come to an end for them at the last game of the year in the national championship. So, I mean, what, the, the program could be in a worse position, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Oh, I'm not saying the programs. That's not what I meant by my opening talk. I just said that I... I don't really know about the long-term success of North Carolina basketball. I, I'm not as – I think everybody wants to immediately give Hubert Davis coach of the year, greatest thing ever. I mean, I think 
everybody needs to just take a well, yeah, I, I don't agree with that at all. Together. So, Duke's got the number one recruiting class in the country next year. Has nothing but five stars coming in. Um, it'll be interesting to see going forward. But I mean, again, the tournament delivered. It was wonderful. Um, I don't know how you can do any better than what they do besides starting the game earlier than 9.20 on the East because yeah. um, it's ridiculous. Kids shouldn't be having to stay up that late to watch this game, but they should get a chance to see some great college basketball stars. And um, the NCAA should be ashamed of itself for doing that, but they will never change. They make too much money. And um, I'll be interested to see. I haven't seen what the ratings were for our Saturday night's game versus this game. But I bet you it's going to pale in comparison. And um, again, in the end, the team that probably had the easiest, and they put that in Facebook, the easiest run to the to the final game, um, won. I think they were the least tested team. They had one good test, and that was against Creighton. Um, and Creighton was missing its best player. So, um, you know, it's, it's what makes this sport great and what makes – makes college basketball probably the premier championship um, tournament of, of them all. It's one and done. Anybody can win. Even mm-hmm. St. Peter's can win. So, um, but what, what, what's your most memorable takeaway, Stephen, of the tournament? Well, I mean, I think it's without a doubt St. Peter's going to lead eight as the first 15 seed ever, <clears throat> you know, make it that far. Um, I mean, they beat, a two seed beat a three seed a team that uh, went to the Big Ten championship and was one of the top five teams probably pretty much all year. Um, a team that has a first round draft pick, a top five draft pick, a guy that's seven foot four, two hundred and ninety five pounds, uh, another big man in Travion Williams who I think um, could have played anywhere else in the country and been one of the best players in the country. Um, he just happened to be behind a guy that was. Probably one of the biggest guys in Division One basketball, or if not the biggest. Um, so, it just—I uh, don't think you can say enough about what St. Peter's did. I, don't, I think it's something that will never be forgotten. I don't know if it will happen again in anytime soon. Um, it might never happen again in my lifetime, um, but maybe it will. You never really know. But it's obviously a run that. Um, I mean, just beat. I mean, they beat a Kentucky team that was, um, I thought, was really good. Um, beat a St. Uh, Murray State team that's one that had won 31, 32 games already at that point. So, I mean, anytime you win 31, 32 games, that's pretty impressive. Um, and then beat a Purdue team that was, I think, had absolutely no reason to lose to them. They matched up against them extremely well, and, and then St. Peter's won the game. So, um, you know, a run that will never be forgotten um, unless, you know, another team does it <laughs> next year and, you know, makes it even farther. Um but I think that's the thing that will stick out to me the most. Obviously, Coach K, you know, almost making it to the national championship. If he would have made it to the national championship, I think it would have been um, the greatest story. Um, but um, obviously still provided a great story in the Final Four on Saturday night. Duke versus UNC and probably one of the most anticipated games ever. So, I mean, the, the, the tournament this year did not fail. It never fails. Um, it's batting off perfect 1,000. Every year it uh, does more than we ever expect it to do. So um, it was a great tournament and can't wait for next year. My takeaway is in the end, we got to get, we got to stop worrying about all these crazy upsets when you're picking your bracket. And in the end, you really need to go with the, with the, with the, the favorites. I mean, in the end, we had one seed, two, two seeds in the final four. And the only number one seed left won the championship. 
everyone tells me how their bracket gets busted. Well, guess what? Mine's not getting busted next year because I'm going the favorites. You can pick an upset or two. The Peacocks, they're done. They're over with. Sayonara. It ain't happening again. I'm having the perfect bracket next year. Folks, pick the favorites. Win your pool. That's how this tournament goes. Let's be honest with you. In the end, there was no surprise. What do you mean? In the tournament. How not? We had three of the top four teams in the country. We had a 15 seed, beat a two seed the first round, and then beat a three seed. So we all had that great moment. Folks, win your pool next year. Pick the favorites. This is how it works. That's not true at all. Yes, it is. It's very true. Then why didn't you do that? Because we're all caught up in these underdogs. Well, we're you fell back into it, too, and you picked a parable bracket not, just like me. Not next year. Okay, next well, next year, year when you have a worse bracket than you did last this year, this year then I'm trying to give Bill advice. will say something else new. And I'm trying to give advice to people out there. It is time for us to pick the favorites. End of story. Don't go. get caught up in this emotion anymore, people. I can't tell you who's going to be in the Final Four next year. Okay, who's it? Duke, Michigan State. Kentucky. Why are you saying that with smirk on your face? So there you go. So that's that's what's going to happen. Mark it down. Write it down. And I'll take Michigan State to win the national championship. <laughs> oh, so oh my gosh. How much? How, are we, you want to put money on that? We'll this is on live. We'll talk about it later. We're recording this right now. We'll talk about you it later. You put your mouth or so I do whatever have, your mouth I have is. a beef, though. I have a real beef with the tournament. What's that? One of my favorite moments. Well, my favorite moment is the Masters of the year. My second favorite moment is a real Ohio State college basketball game. And my third favorite moment is one shining moment. Mm-hmm. And I got a real bone to pick with this. What was wrong with In that? the first 10 seconds, I see Sister Jean. But they failed to point out the team that beat Sister Jean's team. Well, cry about That's that. That's the problem I have. Cry about it. Loyola Chicago. They sent a strongly worded email to the Loyola committee. Loyola Chicago didn't deserve to be on that Hey, maybe if you met one of the players on the team, you would maybe think otherwise. No. Ohio State should have been on it. Tremendous Just team. A big Tremendous beef. coach. End of story. Big name coach. Anyways, folks, that's the beef I have. Ohio State fans, I think next year we should we should rally against one shining moment. There's no reason Sister Jean. Well, there's one you can rally against it. Oh. Don't don't ever be in the tournament. <laughs> Don't no, make no. it to the tournament. It is time, Ohio State. We never get in on the action, and it's a shame. And Sister Jean did. Well, when you're 104, I'll request them to whatever how old she is. You can be in the one shining moment. Uh, so, anyways, it, it, it didn't. It, but you have to practice abstinence from here on out. Let's go on to the next topic, folks. And the next topic is it is now. Well, there's the wrap on college basketball. I'm sure there'll be some exciting news as time goes on. The transfer portal's crazy. We'll dive into probably a preview of college basketball, an early season preview sometime soon. But now it's time. It's the Masters. It's Masters week. Tiger Woods is playing. The golf world is a roar. The sports world is a roar. And if we thought we saw a great story um, this past few weeks in the NCAA tournament, Tiger Woods in contention on Sunday would be unbelievable. So, Stephen, we were at Augusta several years ago. 2017. We got a chance to see um, a course unlike any other. We got a chance to hear the roars. We got a chance to walk to Amen Corner. We got to see 
my idol fed couples in action. I was overly excited. We won't get into how overly excited I was, but I was extremely excited. Um, and here we are. It's 2022. What do you, what's, what's your thoughts on the Tuesday before the Masters? Um, I mean, Tiger Woods says he's gonna says he can compete, he can win. When the man speaks, I listen. I think so does the rest of the golf world. So, I think it'll be a, a tremendous story. I can't wait to watch him. I don't mean even if he doesn't make the cut, it's still gonna be awesome to watch him play in the Masters again. Um, I mean, they say that he strikes the be striking the ball well, and Fred Couple said he's hitting the ball really well. So, I guess it doesn't really matter until you do it on Thursday, Friday. So. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. The golf course got absolutely drenched today. It's going to get absolutely drenched tomorrow evening and tomorrow night. Thursday, it's going to be a slot fest out there. I think you're going to see the lowest scores probably in the history of the first round of the Masters on Thursday. I think the players. Do you think that covers the 79 in the lowest round ever? Yes. I think probably three fourths of the field will be under par come Thursday because of the conditions. Most to get kind of chilly Friday, Saturday, highs in the low 60s. But the nice thing is, really, from mid-Thursday on, it's going to be sunshine. We'll finish the tournament on a Sunday under beautiful conditions. Um, there's no golf course like this. What I love about the Masters is they're not worried if they're going to go out and shoot 18 under par. They're not worried if they shoot 10 under par. And they're not trying to get a golf course so that somebody wins at one under par. They just let golf happen. They they want to see birdies. They want to see eagles. They want to see triple and double bogeys. They want to see the disasters. And we see it all. And that, to me, is what makes this the greatest golf tournament of them all. We all know the golf course. Even if you're a casual golf fan and you only watch here or there, this is probably the one tournament you watch. And you know it. And you've seen it. And um, I think it's going to be... Um, an amazing golf tournament, yes, because Tiger Woods is there, but also because of all the other storylines that can happen. I mean, Rory McIlroy's going for finally the career Grand Slam, the one tournament he's missing. We got all these big names in the golf world that really haven't won a tournament at all in a long time. Brooks and Bryson and Dustin, I mean, they really haven't done anything for quite some, you know, a long time. And what we always love about the Masters, too, is the old guys. When I say old guys, I mean the Champions Tour guys, those that have won before. You know, this brings out the best in the Jordan Spieth. This brings the best out in the Bernhard Longers. You know, he's going to make the cut again, probably. And they're talking about how 60-some years old and he's beating everybody. It just got that feel that no other tournament has. And no other sporting event really has. Where else is a 60-some-year-old guy like Bernhard Langer going to lead the tournament at some point on Thursday? over the youngest, best players yeah. in the world. It happens here at the Masters. So I think that's my my love for this event. And um, like I said, it's just, this is, this is just, this is what, if you're a golf fan, this is heaven. And even if you're not a golf fan, it's as close to heaven as you'll get. So it's it's as good as it gets. I mean, I, can't, I don't think anyone would disagree with that logic. I mean, it's the Masters, if you look at the course, if you ever get the chance to ever be at the course, it's the most beautiful golf course the world has ever offered. It's green everywhere. I mean, there can be thousands and thousands of, of fans walking on that course, and it still looks like it's never been touched. It looks like it's still as green as ever. Um, it looks like it's almost like green turf. Um, I mean, it's just ridiculous, the course, the, the way they, you know, um, make it, the way they take care of it is just second to none. 
Um, I mean, it's just truly a tradition unlike any other, and I think it will always be that way. It'll be always the, the players' favorites, players' favorite tournament. It'll be the one that people, most people get excited about. Uh, I mean, it's just a great week every year. Uh, it's awesome, and it sucks when it's over. Yeah, so the number one storyline, obviously, is Tiger Woods. He's back. Um, he almost died 14 months ago. He almost got his leg amputated 14 months ago. And here he is now. Yesterday was basically the Super Bowl. Um, out there on a Monday practice round. So we don't even know what it's going to potentially be like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But that's the biggest storyline. Can Tiger Woods get a little closer to Jack Nicklaus? You mentioned it before we went on. It's the smallest field, so it gives him probably the best chance. Nobody has won there more than him who's playing there. Um, no one knows that course better. And I think Tiger Woods one-legged could go out there and make the cut. The question is, will his body hold up? Um, there's also, for those of you who've never been there, it is probably one of the toughest walks in golf. Um, you're probably not going to get a flat lie. And for a man who probably hasn't walked as much as he's about to for the next week, um, the Fred Couple said it best. If he can walk, he contends. If he, if he has a hard time, you know, um, physically, he's probably going to just maybe struggle a little bit. So there's a lot going on there, but he's the number one storyline. You're a big Tiger Wood fan, Stephen, but in all real realism, what do you think is really going to happen with them this week? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any reason why he can't compete. I'm not saying he's going to win, but I don't think there's any reason why he can't make the cut and make it interesting, make a few birdies in the weekend and, Guys, I don't think he's going to win, but I think there's absolutely no reason why he can't um, compete. I mean, when you saw him play in that thing with Charlie in December, I mean, he hit the ball great. I mean, if you're worried about Tiger Woods striking the ball, I mean, he struck, he, he hit the driver amazing in December, four, four and a half months ago. Um, so I don't see why in four months he hasn't been able to improve. Um, I mean, he's always going to be a great iron player. He's always going to be a great wedge player. He's always going to put the ball well. It's just is he going to be able to, you know, have the strength to obviously walk the course and then just hit the driver straight? I find it interesting that Fred said Tiger rarely put it yesterday. And I wonder if that's because has it got something to do with maybe not wanting to hurt himself putting or that he just... Maybe he wanted to feel more. Maybe he just wanted to hit more balls because that's the thing that he felt like is more of a variable in his golf game right now. Because versus uh, because I think... At Augusta National, putting is probably one of the most important things because you, the lag putting Augusta has so many um, breaks, so many balls that you know you got to play break that you just don't play anywhere else. So I found that interesting. I just wondered what the reasoning behind it was. But I would assume it's just because he probably knows the green so well that. Yeah. I mean, I think also that, and then just the ball striking is probably what. Not that that's. I mean, every amateur goes up there and thinks the ball striking is the most important thing in the world. Obviously, it's not. If you're actually a good golfer, you figure that out pretty quickly, that chipping and putting is the most important. But I think for him, it's something that, I mean, I don't think he's ever going to be worried about his chipping and putting anymore. Um, he went through a little moment, you know, years ago um, where he, you know, kind of struggled with that. But um, now, I mean, I don't think he's ever going to be worried about that. I think he's got to just be, especially with the leg and everything, I think he's more worried about seeing how his body reacts to it, where putting is not really something that he's going to, have to worry about his body reacting to anything badly. Um, so, I think um, what will be most interesting to see too is 
Um, you know, Tiger will have the support of the fans on his side. Um, there's no doubt about that. And today, in the press conference, it was the old Tiger Woods. This wasn't the Tiger Woods that got all emotional. This wasn't the Tiger Woods who kind of told his heart out when he got inducted into the Hall of Fame. This was the badass Tiger Woods at a press conference. I mean, he was back to his kind of um, snooty self to the media, um, kind of like, don't you dare ask me these questions. And it was just interesting because it's like that's the Tiger Woods um, that I think wins, and that's the Tiger Woods that we all know. Um, and, yeah, the media gave him a standing ovation, but I, I, you saw Tiger Woods today like Tiger Woods was. And um, I think that just shows you he's in the in the groove, and whether he hasn't played in two years or whatever, um, he has definitely um, he is zeroed in, he is focused, and he is going to Augusta to do one thing. He's going to be absolutely devastated if he doesn't win. That's that's the only reason he's going there. Yeah. So um, it'll be very yeah, interesting to see. Storyline number two has to be Rory McIlroy. It's going to be every year at Augusta. He's trying to win the Grand Slam. Um, he's, he's come close. Um, but to be honest with you, it's a career that has kind of gone sideways. He won the PGA years ago, um, and hasn't even come close. Well, that's not true. He's come close to winning other majors, but has kind of buckled as, as the tournament has gone on. He hasn't really won much. Um, looked like a hot mess last week in Texas. I don't know if his mind just was at Augusta. Um, but again, um, depending on the weather, if it's going to be cold and windy as time goes on, that's really not Roy McIlroy's um, game. He, he's a true American player, and um, there's absolutely no reason why anybody would think he would win this week, but he's probably storyline number two at the Masters right now. Can he can he pull it off? No. I don't have any belief in him. When's the last time he's been close? Other than 2011 when he had shot 80 in the last last day when he had the lead. Well, I agree. I'm just saying that I don't. I just think it's in his head now. I mean, he's kind of. I mean, it's been basically ten let's years just put the every year. Aside, like, what's happened to his golf game? Why doesn't he win more? I don't know. I, I think he's just a. I think he's one of the guys that kind of golf. Not that he doesn't care about his career, but kind um, of golf is second to anything else that's important in his life. Um, I think he just. He doesn't take a bad day home, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, he kind of just, uh, if he has a bad day, he just kind of moves on with it. Doesn't I, That's just the way I see him as. Um, I don't know. I just, he's such a ball striker, but then he just doesn't really, he doesn't, he just doesn't win. I mean, he, well, like I said, I think the last time he's, I, I think the last time he's won was 2019 at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. So, three years ago. All right, I'm going to give you some names. Won. You tell me, do you think they can contend or not contend? That's all you're going to tell me. Ready? Tommy Fleetwood. Yeah. Daniel Berger. No. Bryson DeChambeau. No. Louis Oosthuizen. Oh. <sighs> I'm going to go with no. The only reason is because I feel like he had that run for a couple, like, what was it, like, two, was it last year or the year before that? Yeah, where he had, like, yeah, all those second places. he had, like, yeah, where he competed so well in, like, three straight majors. And since then, I really haven't heard his name. And I don't know. All right. Matsuyama defend his championship. Matsuyama. Um, I'm going to go with 
No. I don't, I don't think he, I don't think he's I don't think he's going to compete. How about Justin Thomas? Is he finally Justin Thomas is yeah. I mean, he's going to compete. I mean, he's he's such a good golfer. So the world number one. I think I think I think the only reason I don't like Scotty here this week is because I feel like if you noticed his swing, at, he has the weirdest swing. Like he looks like an amateur at times when he swings the golf club. <laughs> like did you see that swing that he took at the match play? I mean, it just doesn't. I don't think it suits him this week here at Augusta. If he doesn't have a swing in, in control, he doesn't. Have, I mean, if he's doing half a swing and he's hitting at fifty yards right, it's not going to work at Augusta. So the guy that everybody I think thinks. And he also was. They didn't even know who he was. All right, how about when Tony Finau? Tony Finau is tough. I mean, I just remember the one thing I can always remember him doing was snapping his ankle at the par three. So I mean, but. He's had a pretty good record. Yeah, no, I mean, when, when Tiger a, won, he... a pretty rough golf record lately. Yeah, uh, when Tiger won, he was in that final group with him. Um, maybe maybe Tony comes out, out of the, the well, I don't want to say closet, because that, that sounds bad. Um, comes out of nowhere and maybe competes, but I don't think he's going to win. Dustin no. Johnson. See, you feel like Dustin should be able to win, but I don't know. I feel like he's kind of just been like Rory recently. He's just kind of just been going through the motions. He hasn't really done anything. Um, Will Zalatoris. I feel like Will after, what was that, last year or was it the year before that? I think two years two years ago? Was he, that during the COVID one? I can't remember if it was last I thought it was last year because it's only been a year that he's really been around. All right, well, no, so but think, don't get the COVID one was in November. Yeah, I think it was Sorry. last year, though. I think it was last April. Um, he, uh, I'm going to just say, yeah, why not? Patrick Cantley. Patrick Cantley. I almost thought you said Patrick Reed. Um, Patrick Cantley. Let me think about that for John a second. Rahm. I feel like Cantley is going to compete. Yeah. John Rahm. John Rahm, no. Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth, I like Jordan Spieth, so yeah. Victor Hovland. No. Brooks Kepka. Absolutely not. And the last guy to tee off on Thursday, Roy McIlroy. Roy might as well never play again at Masters because he's never going to win it. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. I mean, he didn't ask me if somebody else is going to compete. We're going to get there in a minute. I just um, We're just trying to... Oh, ask me. Fred Couples. I feel like he's going to come out come out strong. No. He's horrible. I have no faith in him. I'll tell you what, though. Right now, 69 Thursday. Book it. I don't know if he'll have 69 on the golf course, but... Well, he did get recently married, so we'll if he can't get it on the golf course, he can get it somewhere else. We'll see if that where that branches out there, folks. But, you know, again, I think the key is going to be, let me tell you who I think could be a real dark horse, somebody who I don't care for, somebody who I really dislike as a golfer, but who's actually been playing really good this year. His name's popping up on a lot of leaderboard is Adam Scott. He's won here before. He's got a horrible putting stroke, but for some reason, Augusta does that. Well, he strikes the ball so well. Sergio Garcia, two guys that you think, okay, they can't, but I think could sneak up. And next thing you know, come Sunday in the last four holes, they have a chance. And that's, again, what I think is interesting about Augusta is that at the last second, you get these guys who have had success there, who they find that magic, and next thing you know, it's it it's it just kind of comes to life. Um, so I think it's it, it'll be really interesting to see which of those names. It's going to happen. I guarantee you. We're going to look on that leaderboard come Saturday, and there's going to be somebody up there or a couple people who maybe 
wouldn't have been a fan favorite from the get-go, but somebody who has history at Augusta who's going to be kind of contending there. And I think those are two names that you kind of got to watch. Um, again, it's just, it, it lends itself this course. Now, it's going to be playing long. No doubt, I think everyone's thinking a big bomber is going to take over. They've lengthened some of the holes at Augusta National. A couple of them, the 11th hole, which is already one of the toughest holes <clears> on the golf course, if not the toughest. The 15th hole, which is a fun par 5. They have lengthened it, and it's probably just going to make it that much more tougher. I don't know if they'll use that back tee every round, but you're just putting it more in the hands of the bombers, the guys that can pound it. And anybody who has a chance maybe to reach it might not because hitting a three-wood, 265 yards, yeah, and then water, to sit. it's going to bounce over into hard. the other pond. So yeah. um, I think, again, we talked about this golf course around here that lengthens certain holes, and it's like, why? There's no need to. It doesn't mm -hmm. doesn't even make sense. And to me, that's a hole that it doesn't make sense. Maybe once we see it in action, maybe it will you know, kind of come to I don't. I don't mind it depending on the day. I don't think it's something that needs to be done, like you said, every single day. Because some days, you know, if it's downwind, it's maybe a little dry. Um, you know, the guys might have a six iron in, or even less sometimes, um, where maybe that, you know, the extra yardage would make it more interesting. Um, but, you know, on days if it's, like, soaking wet and it's a little into the wind, then I don't think it's needed because, I mean, then they are, the short guys are just getting absolutely screwed because it's, Hitting a wedge into that green from, you know, 90 yards still is not easy, depending on where that pin's at. If that pin's on the left, you don't have much room. Obviously short, not much room. And then obviously long. I mean, the left side of that green kind of pinches in, and it's not that deep. Well, I was listening to the Fred Couples um, radio show this afternoon, and him and Joe LaCava were talking about some of the more memorable moments that they had at the Masters when he won in 1992. And the first thing Joe said was the one shot he remembers more than any other is the second shot at the 15th hole at Augusta National. Fred was behind a tree, as Joe said, probably play like a 60-yard cut. And Fred Couples was going to do it, and Joe said, Fred, just lay up, you know, lay up, don't don't mess with that. Mm -hmm. You know, how are you going to get that a 60-yard hook to stop on that green? And Brad's like, I don't want that third shot. It's the scariest third shot in golf. And that's what he didn't want, what you just said. It's an impossible um, third shot off a downhill lie to a wedge. I mean, I'm assuming the ball is probably going to be spinning to start. Um, so it's going to be really interesting. So it's, a, it's an interesting hole. I know on Sunday they'll move that tee up. There's no way they're not going to give us action on that back nine at Augusta with the Eagles at 13 and 15. So... Um, they may put it way back there on Saturday, see what happens, maybe Friday, maybe Thursday, but i got to believe on Sunday they'll move it up to give everybody a chance and, and make it more exciting and interesting for everybody. So, um, you know, again, a lot can happen. I think that's what we love. The back nine at the Masters, uh, number 10, number 11, number 12, number 13, number 15, you could basically make a double or triple bogey on every one of those holes. If you hit a couple bad shots, um, and yet on the flip side, you could eagle, you could birdie 12, eagle 13, birdie 14, eagle 15, birdie 16 on Sunday. They got that pin back there if you play it right. I mean, 17, probably the most boring hole on the golf course, I would say. Um, but we saw this past week in the women's amateur, someone make a double bogey from the center of the fairway, so it can be tricky. 
And 18, I don't know what to say about 18. They moved the tee back, I heard, too. I forgot to mention that hole. They put the tee back, I don't know how many yards, but I guess they stuck that back there. I mean, that, that narrow opening, even more narrow, it looks like. So that should be interesting, too. But the funny thing is I haven't heard many of the players talking all week about any of the changes. So they must be pretty not as noticeable maybe as we're talking about them. But, um, well, they might just not be played like the changes might not be used, obviously, every day. Yeah, I just maybe just one I, or two days. It just seems like they love to talk about things that change. Well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think that's why it's just talked about so much because it's obviously the the Masters. It's the greatest tournament. It's the greatest golf course in the world. So when they make changes to something like that, they obviously talk about it. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. All right, so Stephen, let's talk about our picks. Who we think probably is going to contend um, at the Masters. And, um, you know, I think the best way to put it is, um, I guess, um, I, I, I would say this, um, I'm going to keep Tiger Woods out of my picks because I feel like he, he fills a spot that I just want to see and we just don't really know about it. So I'm going to keep Tiger Woods out. I think Tiger Woods can win. I would not be shocked at all if Tiger Woods wins the Masters on Sunday. So I'm going to keep him off to the side. Um, I think my favorite to win, I, it, it's time for Justin Thomas to win the Masters. Um, it's time for him, I think, to take the reign. The thing that scares me most about him is his putting. He three putts more than any player I ever see on tour. I mean, he can be 15 feet away, and he three putts frequently. Um, and on those greens at Augusta National, you obviously can't have that. Um, but still, I think he's a great ball striker. I think he gets motivated thinking of Tiger Woods. I think Justin Thomas is is number one on my list probably to contend um, and my favorite probably to win this week. How about you? So um, I'm going to go with the guy that won the players this year, Cam Smith. Um, I just think he's a really good golfer. Um I think that, obviously, I think I, I completely respect the Justin Thomas thing. I think, like, him and, like, DJ and Brooks, I mean, when they're playing well, they're almost impossible to beat and, and compete with. I mean, they're guys that can literally shoot 59 anywhere. So I think <clears throat> um, Justin Thomas is a solid pick, um, but I'm going to go with Cam Smith. Um, I just feel like he has a really good chance. I feel like he's just a really good golfer. He strikes the ball really, really well. Um, so that's who I'm going to go with. All right. I think number two on my list to win would definitely be Victor Hovland. I think he's the next great player from Europe. I think he's up and coming. <clears throat> I think he can play just about anything. The one thing that's really interesting about Augusta National, Victor Hovland's greatest weakness is his chipping. The fun thing about Augusta National is you don't really have to chip it if you don't want to chip it. You can basically put it from just about anywhere off those greens. And at a U.S. Open, Victor Hovland would scare me because if he misses a green, I don't think he can get up and down. He's he's a, he's not a world-class chipper at all. I think he's got everything else. I think he has the great personality. I think he has the mindset. And I love the fact that he won't have to chip the ball. He can put the ball if he wants. So my number two pick would be Victor Hovland. Yeah, I struggle from here on out because I don't know who else to pick because I don't want to pick the same people. Um, I really like Tommy Fleetwood. I liked him like 
four or five years ago, or however long ago it was, I would say about four years ago, I felt like I felt like he was a guy who was kind of just going to take off, and I really would say he hasn't, and maybe this week he can. Um, I just ever since I started watching him, and like I think it was like the British Open or whatever tournament it was a couple of years ago, maybe it was the U.S. Open. I think when Brooks won it the first time, or maybe the second time, um, I just was really. I really like what I saw out of him, and I feel like he just hasn't really taken that next step, and maybe this week is the week that he kind of does that, and maybe he finally gets a good win in a major. All right, my third pick, and again, there's absolutely no reason to pick him besides the fact that I think he just plays well there, is is Tony Finau. I think Tony is is due to break out. He may be like a Scotty Scheffler, like you said and Paul Azinger said. You know, once he gets one, it may just go from there. Um, so I'll go Tony Finau as my third pick. Hmm. I'm going to go with Joaquin Neiman as my third. Um, I have no idea why. Um, he he, well, he won. Didn't he win just a few weeks ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he won not that long he ago. I think at Riviera. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's a young guy. I think he kind of is... You know, um, Sergio kind of just took him underneath his wing a couple years ago. I think Joaquin Neiman's a really good player. Um, he's kind of a consistent player. I don't know if he's really, like, the most talented golfer or even anywhere near the top of that list. But, um, you know, he hits a lot of fairways, lots of greens. Um, and maybe he can do that again this week and, and kind of just find a way to win, I guess. And my sleeper pick is somebody that I would never, ever want to see win the Masters. Again, somebody who I I really think is not a very good person on the golf course, but I'm going to pick him because he's actually played somewhat decent this year. I've seen his name in spots, but I do think Bubba Watson can um, can kind of, I, I think he has a chance to, to, to actually play pretty good. So I'm going to go with Bubba Watson as my sleeper pick. Um you know, you might say, well, how can you be a sleeper? He's won the Masters two times. Well, I mean, let's be honest. Bubba hasn't done much in a long time. But he's playing well. I think he's sneaky. I think he loves the golf course. Um, so in the end, I think I'm going to go with Bubba Watson. Um, well, I'm going to go with a, a real uh, shocker, a guy that was leading at the players until he got to the 17th hole and then made a 7. I'm going to go with Harold Weiner. Yeah, I think everybody. Yeah, I think that's a good, good pick. Might as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've, I was rooting for him, and I, he, I feel like he's played a lot of good golf. He just doesn't seem to finish it, I guess. But I mean, that's easier said than done. I mean, winning, winning a PGA Tour event. Uh, I don't care if it's the No One Cares Open. Um, versus the Masters or the British Open or the U.S. Open or the PGA Championship or the players. I mean, winning any tournament on the PGA Tour is one of the toughest tasks there is in this life, um, let alone winning a major would be even tougher. So I'd love to see him win. If he's getting a, if he's even remotely near the top of the leaderboard, I'd be absolutely rooting for him. Um, so that's where I'm going to go with my sleeper. The betting favorite is John Rahm and Justin Thomas. They're both plus 1,100. I don't why. I just am not feeling John Rahm this week. They're both plus 1,100, which, I mean, obviously you put five bucks down, you're still going to win some good money. But 
The betters have John Rahm, Justin Thomas. What if you bet Harold Varner? How much would you win? For uh, five well, bucks. Harold Varner is. Well, I guess I'll have to find him down on that list, and then we'll have to look. Maybe by the end of the show, I'll have it figured out. But, oh, Harold Varner. Ooh, Harold's. Um, you put ten bucks down on him, you'll win one thousand two hundred fifty bucks. Jeez, oh, it's not a bad bet to put, folks. Um, hey, honestly, I was looking at this. I, you take some, but if you decide to take fifty bucks and put five, you put ten five dollar bets down. I mean, you're going to win a lot more than that. So, hey, I would. Uh, I mean, it, that's not bad. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm going to put a little money back in my bank account and um, lose some money. But, you know, that's just me. That's just what I like to do. Bernhard Longer is plus 20000 Fred Couples is plus 20000 So put $10 on Freddie. You win 2000 bucks. You know? You ain't winning the tournament. But, you know, still, I might do it just for fun. Put just, your money where your mouth is. I'll put food where my mouth is, okay? Okay, I'm just saying. You're saying to bet on him. Well, saying to bet on the man. I I'd rather bet on Bernhard Langer. I do think Fred Couples will miss the cut. I think he will absolutely. I think he'll be lucky to break 80 on Thursday. Um, I think he'll play much better on Friday. It's just kind of what his his situation has been the last few years. There's nothing I'd like to see more than him. He, he wasn't even going to play until Tiger Woods basically talked him into it this week. Um, to me, I don't know if we'll ever see him play a, another weekend again at Augusta National, but, um, you know, I'm not going to lie. I will be a, glued to holes four, five, and six, amen corner, 15 and 16 when Fred Couples is there because might not get to see him many more times on those holes. So that's what I love about the Masters. They obviously are going to have the big names. They'll have all 18 hole coverage. They'll have... Some great holes, four, five, six, and amen corner and that. Just it's great to sit and watch those guys play golf. Um, again, you only get to see it a few times in your life, I feel like. So you gotta take advantage of it every chance you get. But without question, it should be just the energy of having Tiger Woods at a tournament is something different. And I think for sure, um, the the juice is is there. And I'm gonna tell you right now, they better bring the police guards. In on Sunday afternoon, if Tiger Woods has a chance to win, because that place will be going absolutely crazy. I, I know we keep saying this, like there's nothing we can't see in golf that Tiger Woods hasn't already done. But if he's got a chance to win on Sunday, you're going to see, I think, something and hear some stuff that you've never seen or heard before on a golf course. And um, it would definitely be amazing. And I think just knowing that it'll be your traditional Sunday evening finish will add to that much more excitement. So um, it'd, be, it'd be pretty cool. There's just two things I do want to ask you before we leave, Stephen. Um, I'd love to know um, what place you think Phil Mickelson and Ricky Fowler are going to finish this week. Um, well, I feel like Ricky could probably shoot four 69s this week. Okay. Um, you know, Maybe not on the golf course, but um, in Phil, I don't know what Phil's going to be doing. He's probably going to be in like a AA meeting for gambling, though. Um, so you're so, saying those two aren't even. Yeah, Ricky and Phil got a lot of work to do to do uh, ever walk a course again. I mean, Ricky definitely has a lot of work to do. Phil will be back there next year, but I assume. 
Well, folks, I guess he's digging, as long as he's dug himself out of a hole. He's and I guess I, I joke about it, but those are two guys that if they were playing, people, w- I mean, Ricky's played really well at Augusta National. Mm-hmm. And Phil, again, is just one of those guys that loves it as well. Um, but, okay, I guess I, I guess I can't put any money on those two. If you do, it's a guarantee that you will not win any money. Okay. Okay. So, folks, here's the deal. Watch the first two round of the Masters. We'll be back on Saturday. We will get you set for the weekend's final two rounds. Um, we'll have it down, narrowed down. We'll see where our predictions are falling. And, of course, there'll be a hot mess, so we'll just have to make all predictions all over for the final 36 come Saturday. But until then, I just want you to hear one thing before we leave as normal. Just, just listen to this. Gentlemen, control yourselves when you hear this. All-time high. I don't know about you, but I just got a little tingle. So, how about you, Stephen? Um, I'm he sure we'll get. Too, I'm folks. sure we'll get something he new did, this week. We did too, folks. Hi, right, everyone. We'll see you Saturday.